And welcome everyone to episode 416 of the Thumbstick Athletes Podcast. I'm your host, Dan, and it's just me tonight. So tonight's episode is going to be our mid-year recap. I usually like to do this at the beginning of July at the latest, uh, but it's kind of slipped into mid-July because of some stuff that we had coming out. Of course, we covered Super Mario Maker 2 last week, so we wanted that to remain topical and, and have that episode come out when it was supposed to, so... Uh, but yeah, we're going to co- be covering a few episodes from the uh, early part of the year this year, uh, games that will likely come up, or for good or bad reasons, I guess, in the in the thummies. Uh, probably mostly good. Uh, we, we're tending to get further and further away from playing everything and just uh, buying and playing games that we actually really want to play. Uh, as we get older and our time gets less, that's that's kind of happening, so... That's what we're that's what we're doing. So we so we don't as much anyway play games that we that we don't like. Uh, there's that still does happen a little bit. Uh, Anthem is one of the games that we won't be covering for this. Uh, I think we all played it and thought it was okay, but didn't really stick with us. So uh, that will not be covered because we actually didn't even end up having an episode on it. It was just a, I think it was an Anthem early impressions. We had played a few hours of it, and, uh, but that was enough. I don't think I ever played it again after that. So. But yeah, the first game on the list actually is from, uh, ooh, let me call it up here because I didn't write it down like I should have. It's from episode 395, and that's on the game War Roof. So that'll be the first little blur- blurb you hear here. Um, of course, that's the indie game, the the one that's like the Advance Wars series. It's kind of the spiritual successor to that Uh so, yeah, without further ado, here's a blurb from episode 395, Wargroove. And I've, I've seen Wargroove described as Advanced Wars with a Game of Thrones story. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the story. Um, because I know you mentioned liking the story, Corey. What, what specifically about the story do you like? I just think the writing's really good. Um, I haven't gotten that deep into it, but... Uh, the characters are all really well written. Mm-hmm. I like the backstories. What uh, help me out with a little plot summary? It's Mercia is the princess or queen. Yep. And her kingdom is invaded, and her parents are killed. Her father, the king, is assassinated. Um, so she becomes the queen, and shortly after that, her kingdom gets invaded by the Felheim, which is like an undead uh, kingdom from the south. That's right. And she's forced to flee because she—that's the only way to ultimately help her her people, is yeah. by 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 leaving and not being overrun immediately when the war starts. Yeah, and I guess when I hear that, it, like it does sound kind of cliche, but when you're playing the game and you read the dialogue and stuff, and the 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 care that goes into the lore overall, um, it's really well done. And I do like how if you take the time to do a side mission, you're rewarded with bits of extra lore yeah yeah because there is there is a codex and you as you complete battles you unlock portions of the character's codexes and and like Corey said lore yeah that's a nice that's a nice touch because it's really the only thing to unlock yeah i don't know what you get because it keeps track of the amount of stars you get in the game so uh every battle you do you are rated on so it's obviously one to three stars 
Um, I don't know if you get something for for being higher in stars, uh, but you also get stars for completing the challenge modes too, the the, the uh, arcade mode and the the challenge mode, the puzzle mode. So I don't know if that also unlocks more lore. Don't know. But you're you're absolutely right about the writing, Corey. The writing and the characters are very good. Uh, one thing I found entertaining was uh, Caesar, the dog's uh, interaction with the bandits. Yeah, uh, they always the three bandits always end up having uh, very deep conversations with each other when they're uh, banditing. Uh, you know, they, they get into depth depth discussions about uh, climate and and um, really? in, in, industry and stuff. Yeah, it's it's all really well really well written and very entertaining. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's good stuff. It is good stuff. But yeah, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed Wargroove so far. Um, I think it's I think it's worth twenty dollars. I would wouldn't play it on PC. I don't think. I think it's it's nice to have it in the Switch. Have it whenever you want. Have, have it be portable. Um, I, I don't think I would sit at my computer and play it. Do you have a favorite mission that you would like to outline? Yeah, so my favorite one that I've done so far is a later one, and it's it has three separate factions, three of your allied factions against the the Felheim Legion, and you're invading a, a port. And it's yeah, it, it's it's really neat to have all three of those commanders in different places on the map doing different things, um, summoning their own units for what have you, and then having them help each other to try to you know. More, uh, I don't want to say accurately, but more uh, uh, streamlined the invasion. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. So that was an awesome mission. I can't remember specifically when it, what, what one, one, which one it was. It was probably maybe Act Five, the end of Act Five, beginning how of many, Act Six. How many acts are there, Dan? Because you're towards the end. Seven. Okay. Yeah, I just just today got to the seventh act, so I think I have two missions in, in Act Seven. And you put in thirty hours. I just checked. I put I put in like four. Yeah, thirty hours. I never would have guessed that. I I was guessing maybe ten, but I just looked on my switch and it says thirty or more hours. So that that's crazy. There it is. Um, do the boats, Dan? Do the boats have the same characteristics as like the land units? Like, there's a a fast one, and then there's one that's slow but can do a ton of damage and then there's a wagon or a transport i guess in the water yeah kind of um but the 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 air units and the sea units all they add something different um there's a little bit of that but uh they're a lot different than the land. i don't want to get into too many spoilers but there's like a there's like a like a cannon ship which you can use for for long range there's a there's a uh, harpoon ship, which is better for you know water units, um, and there's a couple different uh, you know normal normal units for for the sea, but yeah, that's 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 the fun times right there. So I um my favorite one was I it's who are the, who are the tree people? Uh, the the Florin, the Florin. Yeah, so my favorite one was one of the side ones where the Florin commander challenges you. To just like a little skirmish, sedge. It's a yeah, sedge. It's just a really small map, and there's a little bridge, yeah, a river. Um, that was probably my favorite one so far because it was it was challenging. Yeah, there is there is some really hard moments in the game. So that was a little bit from Wargroove. 
good game. It's one of the things, and I think I probably say this every time whenever I have the, the mid-year recap or the end-of-the-year recap, is one of the things I like doing is, you know, I didn't forget about Wargroove, but I haven't really thought much about it since I played it and beat it, you know. And it's nice to go back and, and listen to these excerpts from the episodes and, and, and revisit the games. Um, next up on the list is Kingdom Hearts 3, a game which I almost completely forgot about. Uh, it's still sitting on my Xbox. I still have to play it at some point. I would like to finish it because I'm kind of kind of sort of close to the end. So, But yeah, it's it's just nice to to revisit these these games we played from from earlier in the year. So yeah, the next blurb is going to be from episode three ninety six on Kingdom Hearts three. Um, that was me, Corey, and Will. I believe were were all on this one. I know Eric played it, but I don't know if he had played it uh, enough at this point to be be on the episode. I don't know if he ended up playing much after that either. But uh, yeah, me, Corey, and Will talking about Kingdom Hearts three about it trying to familiarize myself with it before i had played the game uh, i've watched at least two half hour long videos trying to explain the story to me will sent me a really quick succinct one that i actually kind of liked and i think that one was like five minutes but even so like it makes zero sense to me and right. i know kingdom hearts super fans get upset when you say that and you know they'll they'll make i saw the argument being made like oh you can't expect to jump into the third harry potter book and understand what's going on and i mean we could we could talk about that for hours if you want like you know is it the responsibility of the game developer to make a game that appeals to everybody um or for them to make a game that appeals to their fans i don't really know i guess that's a bigger philosophical debate but in my mind um video games are a commercial form of our art they're meant to be mass consumed and when you create something that doesn't work for everybody that's fine but you should be also be okay with them judging you accordingly because of it yeah does that make sense yeah absolutely uh it's it's funny too because will was talking to one of his friends about it someone who's very into the series played played if not all the games most of them and even he said yeah you pretty much just play the games to be in disney worlds and and play and you know play as those characters yeah even he said the story doesn't matter i mean there's some people that probably have a good idea what's going on uh my problem was there's a lot of characters that would just appear that i mean i didn't know uh that 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 sora and donald and goofy seemed to know and i i had no idea what what context a lot of times i didn't even know if they were bad guys or good guys because it was hard to tell yep this was a good guy or bad guy so uh yeah so that's that's where that is uh also Corey, i think you were with me in that the your initial experience with the game wasn't as good as as you continued to play it okay so uh it kind of went in waves for me when i first played it i hated it yeah i was like this is i mean this feels like a playstation 3 game i think eric kind of echoed my sentiment that um it felt last gen Mm -hmm. Uh, that was up until i got to some of the better um crafted worlds yeah i really enjoyed so i hated olympus Uh um i really enjoyed tangled Uh uh-huh forget the name of that world yep uh oh um kingdom of corona corona i think is is what it was called yeah yeah that was probably my favorite one Mm -hmm. um a little bit later on i actually this is towards the end of the game and i just beat it today i beat the pirates of the caribbean world. that's the one i just got to yeah that's where i am right now so 
that for me would probably be the high point in the okay. game. Um, some of them fell really flat for me. Monstropolis, I didn't okay. enjoy. Um, Arendelle was just okay. Yeah, that could have been better, I think. Yeah, and and you're right. Like the reason I, the one thing I enjoy about the Kingdom Hearts games are the Disney storytelling. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of found myself like am I a bit of a hypocrite here? Because if you didn't know those Disney stories, you would have no idea what was going on. Similar to how we don't know what's going on in the (laughs) King Hearts side. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't know the Tangled one. I had never seen that movie. Um, So I didn't know what was going on there, but I still ended up really enjoying that world. Like you, it was very cool. It was very, very well done. Very, very pretty. Yeah. Uh, It was a, you know, a neat story um, that I didn't, didn't know. It was yeah. a nice contained story too. Like I didn't feel like I needed to know the characters and what was right. going on to understand. And that's that's a point I wanted to bring up, Dan, when you were um, finishing up our thoughts on the uh, the storytelling overall. Is that at a at a certain point? Oh, I lost my thought now. Oh crap! It was a good one. Anyway, we can move on. <laughs> I'll think of it. Just give me a second. Yeah, so like you, when I first started the game, it's very, very cutscene-heavy game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I clocked a one cutscene at 20 minutes. So there's a lot of that, and when you are having, when you don't know what's going on in the story, none of it makes any sense to you, and you know, you're know you just waiting for a Disney character to pop in, like you know Mickey Mouse is the king or or what have you. So that's that's what you have to hold on to in the beginning of the game. And especially yeah. at the beginning of the game, it's very cutscene heavy. And as right. I said, you don't know what's going on. Um, when I first started the game, I did not like the combat system like you. Um, but once I started to both learn it and unlock new abilities and stuff, I started to... I don't love it, but I started to understand it and, and start to get the hang of it. And once I got to the end of the Olympus world, even though, like you, that wasn't one of my favorites, that's when I started to be like, okay, I see what they're going for here, and I, I do enjoy this game. Um, but then, uh, re- really, I started to really like the game once I got into the Toy Story world. Um, uh, Tito in the chat says he likes the Toy Story world, too. That was when I was like, okay, this is awesome. Uh, but again, it's not—it's not the story. It was just cool for me, having seen the Toy Story movies, to be in Andy's bedroom on the floor, wandering around with, with you know the the char- you know Woody and and Buzz and and all the characters from from Toy Story. Yeah. Uh, that was what was cool for me. It's 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 more like the spectacle of the game uh, than anything that I like. Um, like you, I, I I also feel like it's a bit last gen. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, but. The one exception to the last gen comment, I think, is the Pirates World. That okay. feels current gen. Yeah. And I don't know the development. I'd be really curious to figure out how this game was developed. Um, I was going to say, to finish off my point, I don't know the development cycle, if that just came later in the development cycle, so they were able to give it more attention and more modern technical touches. I don't really know. But I also wonder how the relationship is between Square, Enix, and Disney. Yeah. You know, that's got to be such a weird, like, knowing how these corporations like to protect their IP, like, is it Square just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall and (laughs) Disney being like, all right, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, All this has to change. No, we don't approve of that. Like, And you can kind of see it in the cinematics and stuff, too. There's very, 
there's minimal interaction between the square characters and the Disney characters. And I yeah. think a lot of that is just, you know, Outs- Disney not wanting to sully their brand. Outside of Sora. Right. Be- being the main character. Yep. I mean, uh, there's enough, there's enough of it, but it does, it just kind of makes me wonder how, how that relationship works. Yeah, no, that'd be very, a very interesting, uh, interesting to see behind the scenes for yeah. that. Um, but yeah, as, as I started to play the game more, uh, like Tito said, the, you know, the abilities that you unlock ultimately are, are pretty cool and, uh, upgrading your, your weapon, your key blades and you get a new key blade every time you, you complete, uh, a world. Um, so that, that's cool. Cause they all morph into something else that makes, uh, for new and interesting ways to combine abilities. Uh, but there's also, and I'm not even sure what causes it to pop up, but there's these like group attacks that you do, um, there's one where you get in the pirate ship from Disney that goes up and down like this. You spin it around and attack. There's one where you get in a giant carousel and, and do an attack. There's one where you get in teacups and they fly around and, and do damage. And then uh, my favorite one is the one where you get in that like roller coaster cart that you shoot blaster yeah. bolts out of. Blaster, blaster zone or something? Yeah, I don't even know what they're called. But it's all stuff from Disney. Um, and that that's, like I said, that that's for me is, is, is another thing that I like about so that was Kingdom Hearts three, uh, a game that I I liked again. Again, it just uh, for whatever reason didn't didn't come back to it. So next up on the list is Devil May Cry five. This is one where Will and Eric carried the episode. Uh, they played quite a bit of it. Will might have even beat this game before before we did the episode, or was very close. Maybe he beat it right after. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a game that is very highly reviewed. It's a game that I have to get to at some point before the year is over. It's a uh, you know, very highly reviewed by everyone. Uh, both Eric, Eric and Will really, really loved it. So, definitely one that I'm going to want to want to play at some point. So, here is uh, episode 399, Devil May Cry 5. Awesome. Why don't you like that game? And I don't get his answer, but whatever. Okay. Uh, so yeah, well, let's. I mean, let's talk about it. I, I I've heard. Both glowing reviews uh, from you know games media, but also you guys uh, talking a lot about how much you like it. So uh, let's talk about it. Will start with you. Yeah, so I will get right off here, right off the bat, and say how much I love Devil May Cry Five. This game is so much fun to play. I haven't played a game in a while where I just had so much fun playing it and like laughing at the characters and just enjoying it and what kind of got me to love it right off the bat was and eric you can speak to this too was when nero in the beginning of the game jumped out of the van and they did that slow-mo where he was just killing a bunch of demons while the van was like flying through the air and it reminded me of deadpool because deadpool's credits play that way where it's just like slow-mo deadpool doing crazy stuff and like but the cool thing is, is the game doesn't take itself seriously at all. It's like not the story is not meant to be deep. Um, it's just supposed to be kind of like a generic demon killing story. And like the characters have a lot of like, especially Nero and Dante are two like funny characters. Like they they're meant to be funny, have a little comic relief. Whereas V is a little bit more serious. He's kind of an edge lord. Um, in the game so <laughs> it's just so much fun and like the three characters play so differently too which adds a lot of layers of gameplay to it because you'll have v who fights who does nothing himself he just uses his own demons to do attacking for him and then he'll finish him off but then you got nero who will have guns and a sword 
Um, and then you got Dante, who kind of excels at everything. So, like, there's a lot of really cool layers to the gameplay. And, like, if you – like, when you get a little bit later in the game, you can pick who you want to play for a specific mission or two. So, like, whoever you enjoyed playing as the most, like, you can just play as them. And, like, I've really taken to V. V's been my favorite to play as. He has some awesome combos. So, um, there's just a lot to the gameplay. And it's one of the more solid – gameplay games that i've played in a, oh, quite a while honestly because there's just it just plays so solidly yeah that was the big hook for me for for dmc too was uh that's what i heard about the game was and from everyone was that how how tightly it controls how well it controls how well you can once you learn the combos and stuff how well you can chain attacks together and and that was the fun of it for me so that's that's one of the the hallmarks of the series from from what i gather as I said, I have no experience with the older games, so. <laughs> Corey's giving us a hard time in the chat. What's he saying? But anyway. He asked if it was okay if he muted us so he could listen to his dog breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Yes, Corey, it's okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah, Eric. Eric, like, what, a, yeah. Well, let's let's hear what you, you like about the game because, um, I mean, I wasn't surprised that you liked it, but I'm glad you like it as much as you do. That's it's yeah. Nice. I, I went in pretty blind, honestly. Uh-huh. Uh, I watched a trailer for it the other day. I was telling, I was out of town this past weekend, and I was telling my buddy who I was with, I was like, "Yeah, I'm going home. I'm gonna start this new video game. I never played one before." And he's like, "Oh, I haven't either." So we watched the trailer for it. I didn't even watch the trailer before. Uh, so we watched the trailer, and even after watching it, I was like, yeah, so I don't really know how to explain that game to you at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, but I know Will was interested, and I was have always slightly been interested in Devil May Cry, so we, we ended up splitting it. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, right away, like Will was saying, that that, that first uh, video montage really <laughs> sets the tone nicely uh, for all the action that goes on in the game. Um, there's a few things that really it draws me in specifically me and kind of like where I'm at these days with video games. Um, uh, the first thing would be the length of the missions mm-hmm. because this is a game that really respects your time, which yeah. I know we've talked about before being issues in other games for us. Um, you know, I don't, I don't stay up super late anymore. So I've got kind of a short window on a, you know, fairly nightly basis that I can play. So being able to knock out, you know, two three missions a night gives that good satisfied feeling that you were able to accomplish something in the game um so the missions are you know they're not short but they're not long and there's like a boss at the the end of each one so it wraps up nicely and you're like satisfied um the game overall is only like 11 to 12 hours from what i've read uh, which is perfect for me. I'm not looking for any, you know, crazy long games at this point, even though I'll still play them, but I'm never going to beat them. Uh, we were just talking about that before we got on with Red Dead. It's a mm-hmm. game that I love, but, you know, chances of me beating it are about slim to none. With this one, I'm absolutely going to beat it because I know I only have, you know, a pretty short amount of time left. So that drew me in. Um, as far as the game itself goes, um, the... It's a lot funnier than I was anticipating. Uh-huh. Like Will was saying, it doesn't take itself seriously at all. It's just like a fucking wild goth, <laughs> like it's crazy it, experience. It's it's shitty action movie, the video game, right? Yeah, but like so well done. Yeah, it's so yeah, shitty yeah. that it's not shitty. Right, right. 
I, I don't know if I I don't even know if I believe that it's shitty because okay. it's so good. Like I, the, the humor is so well done. Um, the characters and, like whenever. Go ahead. Like when V talks, it's just like yeah. he's so edgy. V you is know? one of my favorite video game characters that I've come across. <laughs> characters and people that have listened to us for a long time know that like characters don't really stick with me, and I, I tend to lean more like on competitive games. Um, so story-driven games don't really do a lot for me, but not that this is super story-driven, but the, the characters don't ordinarily stick with me. But V is really great. He is yeah. absolutely my favorite character in the game, and I love playing with him because his uh, fighting style or lack thereof is so great. Um, and I'll, we'll talk. We'll kind of talk about what what his fighting style is. But what's that, Will? Well, what I was gonna say is what I really like is how, as I brought up, he's an edge lord, but then he's got that crow that runs its mouth the whole time. Yeah, and it's like super obnoxious. And him and his crow bicker like... with each other. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a funny like dichotomy between the two characters that's always going on because like V's silent and like doesn't say much, but the crow is so yeah. stupid. <laughs> is it the book that he carries with him? Is it a Bible of some sort, or is it like his kind of Bible? I don't want to spoil it. Oh, okay. It, That's all right. Basically, it just has to do with demon stuff. Okay, so he carries this book with him, and I remember right before, I, like, I don't remember if it was a boss battle, or I think it was a boss battle, he, like, reads a passage out of the book, and, like, the thing is, is he doesn't really even fight, so it's funny that he, like, reads these badass passages out of this book like he's about to kick somebody's ass and then he just calls on his like pets to go fight for him <laughs> um, but he's still kind of badass I don't know it's weird like Will said he's, just, yeah. he's an edgelord but uh, so yeah the, the characters are fantastic um, so that's another thing that draws you in um, the gameplay again like Will said I will reiterate the gameplay is so good I it, it reminds me a lot of Bayonetta uh -huh. um, but I would put this far and above any Bayonetta game that I've ever played uh -huh. uh, just as I've said before when we talked about Bayonetta the, the world itself didn't really do too much for me uh -huh. but I think in Devil May Cry it's a lot cooler it's a lot better to look at uh -huh. uh, a lot more fun to like roam around and look for stuff um but the gameplay and unlocking your abilities and things like that and performing combos, especially with V, because you're controlling, I think you get three animals at one point, but right now I only have two. Um, so I'm controlling two characters at once, basically. So, you know, balancing that. And then you end up kind of fighting with him a little bit to kill people. So you actually end up controlling three people in the battle. So it's uh, it can be a lot to manage uh, at first, but once you end up, learning the different combinations and things like that it's it's just so satisfying like and the game does a great job of making you feel rewarded too during battle because it has like a ranking system of your style points mm -hmm. <laughs> which is kind of funny too because you're like you're just like these goths and your fighting style is being rewarded for like i guess the combos that you're how cool it is together. how stylish yeah. you are and yeah, how edgy it is and also what i like about that too is It'll go, like, the game will say what the rank is. So it'll be, like, this weird, cheesy 80s movie narrator going... Apocalyptic. Yes. Yeah. Sexy style. Like, stuff like that while you're fighting. It just, like, it's yelling at you while you're doing it. And it's just, like, everything about it is so great. 
So that was Devil May Cry 5. Uh, great job by, by Will and Eric talking about that game. Next up on the list is one of my favorite games uh, from this year. And actually, I, I took a fairly lengthy section from, from this game. It's Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Uh, it, it's an interesting conversation that we had about it, uh, both of the, you know, the, the Soulsborne skill set and how it didn't quite carry into into Sekiro. And uh, a little bit about the difficulty of games and, and, and whether or not that should be a thing. Uh, I, I didn't I don't know if I captured the entire conversation we had about that, but it's an important conversation. And it it comes up every time one of these um, from software games comes out and it's difficult and not very accessible for a lot of people so uh episode 401 sekiro shadows die twice the different attachments on it and one of them i guess is a fire item or something or other than other i don't know what it is exactly because i haven't gotten it but that's what i'm looking for right now and i think it's in the harada estate i think is the name of the area yeah i think it might be there i don't know i think i think it's there too Okay, so that's where I am right now. I've spent more time in Harada trying to figure it out. But yeah, so that's where I've... So i played maybe three, four hours. All right. Kinda... What, what do you think so far? Because, the, I mean, I guess the similarity between the Soulsborne games and Sekiro would be uh, the difficulty, the enemy pacing is, is, is similar. Um, but other than that, it plays completely differently than, than a Dark Souls Bloodborne game. So I actually really like it. Okay so far uh-huh. um i think the the mob enemies that you fight are actually pretty easy i don't have too much difficulty fighting on fighting them really um i die by dumb things a lot of the time it's just like me not knowing the archers have unlimited ammo or like i think i'm gonna be able to dodge this attack but they attack quicker than i expected so it's stuff like that that i die by but it's like nothing too major. Like I haven't been tripped up on mobs. It's the boss fights that hang me up. Whenever there's a mini boss or a boss fight, I just get spanked repeatedly mm-hmm. uh, until I get through it. But overall, like I think the world is really fascinating. I think it's a really beautiful looking game. Um, been really impressed with the areas that I've been into. Uh, only, albeit it's only been two, uh, but they look really cool in the grappling hook is awesome because now like i can evade attacks easier if i need to i can just grapple my way out of there um so yeah i'm actually really having fun with the game i don't know longevity how long it's gonna be played by me because it is really hard um and i saw somebody say like he got to the final boss and he's been fighting it for five hours and doesn't think he'll ever beat it oh no don't (laughs) tell me that so i'm like well okay I don't know if I'm ever going to get to that point if that guy who's played all of the other Souls games beat and beat them can't beat this boss. But I will say that you guys, I think, might be at a little bit of a disadvantage playing the other Souls games compared to me. I actually wanted to talk about that. That's a very important point, but go ahead. So, yeah, my thought process to this is I don't have any of those habits built up that you guys have from Dark Souls 1, 2, 3, Bloodborne. I don't think we any of us play Demon Souls all the way through. So, like, that game, it's, like, a lot slower. You gotta dodge a lot more. Um, you roll around, evade, learn the enemy movements. Here, you can just jump right on in and attack, like, crazy and kill something. Uh, it's also more, like, a quick time event sometimes with some of the, the parrying that you gotta do. Um, and, like, that's more my style of game. I'm more of a hack and slash kind of player. And this game is closer to that than the other Souls games at least in my opinion, and from what I've found. So I think I have a little bit of an advantage being able to play it, as opposed to you guys who, unfortunately, have all of the habits built up from the past games. 
It, it so was, now it's like muscle memory. It was definitely a challenge to relearn those skills because in some ways I think we have an advantage in, uh, you know, having played those games, me and Corey kind of know like the ambush spots. Like yeah. we'll know when we're crossing, running, running through an area, we will know like, okay, they like to hide an enemy behind the tree here. Uh, yeah. there, there's going to be, uh, archers or people with guns like, uh, you know, up here. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so I think we have that going for us, but as far as how the yeah. game plays, it's totally different. It does not play, uh, very much at all. Like, like a, a dark souls bloodborne type of game. Interesting. Interesting. You bring that up because I think there is one part early in the game where not the chained ogre, but another ogre comes out of nowhere Yeah, in this like courtyard full of enemies. And I was not expecting him to come out of nowhere like that. So I'm wondering if I had played the other ones, if I would have expected another enemy. Expected or at least were cautious of it. Yeah, prepared in case something was happening. And also, I don't know about the other Souls games, but how much was stealth a part of it? None. There was was no stealth at all. I mean, you you could walk, like, cautiously. And, you know, sometimes you could, like, maybe sneak up on someone. uh, But there was no, like, stealth. Like, there there was no hiding in bushes. Uh, like there is in this one, or or uh, grappling in ledges, it was all very like flat, so to speak. Uh, you yeah, know, yeah, there wasn't there wasn't grappling or climbing or anything like that, or jumping even. I wonder if that's another advantage that I have because games like Deus Ex, I would play through those games as stealthily as I could and not kill anybody. So like in this game, and Dishonored is another example where I've been pretty good at the stealth and being able to evade attacks if I need to. Um, like, if I need to get to a, I don't know, what is it, a shrine? The, the save points or whatever? Oh, sculptor statues? Well, yeah, the sculptor statues. Like, I can get to those. Like, I can maneuver pretty well. Yeah. Uh, just because, like, I'm, I I like games where you can sneak around and fly around through the air with the grappling hook and stuff like that. Like, yeah. I've, I've done that a bunch before. So I'm, I'm used to that mechanic being, you know, available to me. I feel like I would hate this game if I couldn't do that. Right. A little bit. All right, Corey, let's hear from you. What are your oh, thoughts man. on Sekiro? I have so many thoughts on Sekiro. I have a lot of thoughts, too, but go ahead. Like, there's I'll times play. where I thought it might have been the worst game ever made. <laughs> and there are times where I thought it was the best of the Soulsborne games. Uh, and then there's been times where I would slot it somewhere between Dark Souls 1 and Bloodborne, somewhere in there. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of all over the place and still really undecided. And to me, it kind of goes back to a philosophical question of whether or not like games should be this challenging uh, without a workaround. I mean, we, t- we talked a little bit about it in our group chat, but if you go back to the Dark Souls games, and I think even in Demon Souls, uh, there were there were ways around challenges. Um, you could get a, you could go crazy and grind out levels and level up enough to the point where boss battles were relatively easy. Uh, you could grind out items and get a certain kind of item that would make the boss battle really easy for you. And multiplayer was probably the biggest contributor to, to workarounds. Um, I said, not jokingly that every boss I beat in Dark Souls 3 was with help. I didn't beat a single one by myself, except for the ones that I think there was one or two that you could only do solo. Uh, those were the only ones. And for me, it comes down to just the time. Like, it just sucks to have to repeat the same boss over and over and over again. And when you're in the midst of that and you don't think that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, 
you're gonna think this is the worst game I've ever played. Like, who would design something unbeatable like this? I wasted my money. This is no fun. Um, but then when you beat the boss, you're like singing a totally different tune. You're like, yeah. this is one of the greatest games I've ever played. What a great boss <laughs> that, fight! Like, that was I've so rewarding. So much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I don't know it, and and I was trying to think like what games are just raw difficulty because they're in Sekiro and all the Soulsborne games. There's a a nice aesthetic that goes along with it. Uh, it's beautiful to look at. It plays really. Well. I mean, they have a lot of other things going for them. So I was trying to come up with like what are some of the difficult games I've played that were all difficulty, and the only one I could really think of is Super Meat Boy. Yeah, but even Super Meat Boy. Um, the, it, it was controls were solid rock solid yeah. and i think that's a big part of it is the difficulty can be enough so long as it's fair yeah and i think sekiro is fair so far um and it could be really really challenging and uh i got to a point when i was fighting yobo yobo and oniwa the guy on the horse yep. Um, yep. if you've gotten that far uh, i got there a little too early and i thought i had done everything um, and it wasn't until Dan texted me and said, did you do this one thing? And I was like, I think I did that one thing. Did I not? And then I realized that I didn't do that one thing that I thought I had done. Um, so I missed this whole side area that once I completed that side area and got all the items in it and leveled up a little bit and my character was much stronger, I went back and beat this boss that I probably spent two or three hours trying to beat. I beat him on the second try. Uh-huh. Um, so that was that was nice because if if I was really in the situation I thought I was in, I would think it was the worst game ever. Yeah. And one thing I want to talk to you too, Corey, about was the, the taking in your experience from the dark souls games and bloodborne into a game like this, that's not meant to be played the same way. I found myself reverting, especially during the boss fights, reverting to my, uh, dark souls upbringing, you know, like, (laughs) the the way you play the game the do, dodging was a, is a huge thing in, in Dark Souls and you know I found myself dodging 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 when especially with the boss fight uh, Oniwa uh, on, yeah. the, on the horse like until I forced myself to stand in there and block yeah. I had zero success right but I, I you know once I once I was like okay I'm gonna for, I'm gonna force myself to stand in there I'll block I'll try to time my blocks right to because there, there's a, there's a health meter and a and a posture meter and your goal is to break the posture meter so you can do a death blow that's generally the goal and the thing uh, you can beat enemies by lowering their health all the way but it's usually easier to break their posture and and do a death blow um, so that's you know that's what your goal and you have to do that to Oniwa twice some of the mid bosses you can sneak up on you stealth and do a death blow before they even see you so you can eliminate one of their one of their uh health health globes yep. i guess uh before you but bosses you can't do that so um but yeah I, I had a really hard time uh the first probably hour that i spent on oniwa just just relearning to hang in there block don't dodge everything dodge occasionally because you still do have to dodge some attacks and and to hang in there and and slug slug it out you know yeah yeah, and it's definitely um, it is it is definitely different, as you're saying. And for me, um, I really liked how, like, I don't know, it, it felt like it felt like timing mattered more. And and I don't mean that. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's it's almost like um, I think timing is super important. Yeah, it's it's more 
fair, though. I don't know. I, I, I felt the other Soulsborne games were a little bit janky. And I don't know. One thing I really like that they came out and said, um, I asked you guys, I'm like, is there any multiplayer in this game? Because I'm going to need some help. And I Googled it, and I, it turns out there isn't. And the reason they gave was something I've been complaining about for shooters. Uh, like so that was Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice Up. One of my favorite games that, that came, has come out this year. And uh, one that ah, I really wish I hadn't abandoned when I did. I feel like if I, if I go back to play that game, it's just going to be terrible. And it's going to be relearning the, 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 the combat system and, and blocking and parrying and all that stuff all over again. That being said, it's a challenge I'd like to take on. Um, again, it's just a matter of trying to find time to sink into a game like that at this point. Summer's not a good time. My, my kids don't like to go to bed when they're supposed to. They're probably up wandering around upstairs right now as I'm recording this. Um, so yeah, I can't really <laughs> I can't really play something like that in front of them, but I would very much like to. So that was Shakiro Sekiro Shadows Die Twice from episode 401. Uh, the last episode I'm going to have for this uh, mid year recap is from episode 411 where we covered Fell Seal Arbiter's Mark. Um, there's a, obviously Super Mario Maker 2 will, will come up, but that was last week's episode. Outer Wilds is a game I love that will definitely win some thummies for me, but that was three weeks ago, so that's a little too recent to have on this episode. Uh, Felsteel Arbiter's Mark we at least covered a little over a month ago, so I, I feel like that's still far enough away that it's not uh, not too recent that, that we can plug it into this episode. So, uh, yeah, episode 411, Felsteel Arbiter's Mark. We say whether it's manipulating me into being addicted to it or whether I just like it so much. Either way works for me. The goal for me is just to kind of get lost in something, and this game's really good at that. I think um, as much as I love the gameplay and the character customization, I think that's the, the bread and butter of the game. I, yep. I found myself really disinterested in the story, especially towards the end. I tried to follow it in the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, but it never really hooked me. And then towards the end, I just like I still I'll still read what the characters are saying, but I'm not really processing what's going on. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I kind of got that. That's again talking about Final Fantasy Tactics. That was always kind of my thing too. Like I never really understood the story or what was happening, other than you know uh, a few odds and ends of the story I would pick up here and there. But it was more about about the gameplay, and that's that's what was fun, and mastering the classes, and learning the intricacies of the of the systems and stuff. And one thing I think that separates Final Fantasy Tactics um, is I'm with you. Like the story was a little hard to follow, mm-hmm. but that game had uh, char- like likable characters. I don't. I feel like Felseal is missing that too. Yeah. There's there's no characters I I feel endeared to or that I really care about. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one that I started being interested in, but then I don't know. I just, the story just kind of passed me by, and I stopped caring. But uh, and I think the reason for that is all the characters in Felseal have a very similar voice in that their dialogue is all the same. Yeah. Um, one character could be saying something, but it, it's written in such a way that it sounds like it could be coming from any of the other characters, with the exception of a couple mm-hmm. uh, that do have a unique voice. But it's just a lot of the com- uh, conversing is very basic similar yeah it's very similar i could see that Mm -hmm. so that's my that's my ten thousand foot view but uh, i do really really love the the customization the the character abilities are a little bit thinner than they are in final fantasy tactics but part of me likes that because i mean i've mastered four or five classes for all of my characters at this point uh just by as soon as they master move on to the next one Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't spend any time like 
just sitting on a mastered class just because it works really well. I'll just immediately jump out of the next thing just to see what kind of cool combinations I can come up with. Um, so that's really fun. And the items, they do a really good job with the items. Yeah, I definitely prefer of... the item system in this one than, than Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. I will yeah. We'll probably keep using that as a baseline because it's the most similar <clears throat> to Final Fantasy Tactics. So. Yeah. And I was trying to think like other games that have have similar types of gameplay, and I I don't think any of them come even close to the quality of of the combat that Final Fantasy Tactics does. And I was thinking of games like Massive Chalice, uh, which kind of had something like that, you know, the strategic hexer mm-hmm. uh, square grid. I don't even remember what what system they used. And then I was thinking of like the Banner Saga, but those like I don't know those matches just there was no ebb and flow of battle. Um, which is something Felseal does really well and happened mm-hmm. a lot in Final Fantasy Tactics. Like, I can't tell you how many times I had one miss that just ruined my game in, in Felseal. I've already had that too, so... I, yeah. With, yeah. Which is frustrating, <laughs> but it, it, it fortunately, unlike... Um, what's that? XCOM. Uh, it works both ways in that I've had some really fortunate hits that have turned the tide of battle fully mm-hmm. for me, so... Um, I really like that aspect of it. Will, you sounded like you were about to say something. I was actually going to make a comment. I, When you get a little bit later in the game, um, some of the fights get pretty difficult, in my opinion. So I've had moments where I have it under control, have it under control, and I'm like about to kill a character who's like really tough and giving me a hard time, and I'll miss. And then it's just like a avalanche of just bad luck for me the rest of that round, and I end up losing that fight. So it's funny you say that one miss can really just wreck your whole your whole uh, uh, game because I've had that happen a lot to me today because I put a lot of time into it today. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, it's it is at times frustrating too because it does feel like if it's you know eighty five percent or higher chance of hitting, it feels like it only hits fifty percent of the time. Yep. Yeah, that that seems like a very low percentage. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Which is... that 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 that's kind of a a staple of RNG though, isn't it? I mean, it I just, is. I just like, didn't look... feel like that ever happened in in Final Fantasy Final Fantasy Tactics. If it was ninety five percent, you were you were gonna hit, you know, ninety five t- times out of a hundred. Well, who knows? Maybe they had a bug in their code, and you know, it was actually like ninety five meant a hundred percent. Yeah, knows? it could be. But, uh, like, I don't know. I don't even know if that's necessary because uh, Mario Rabbids did similar gameplay without doing that it was what was it zero percent fifty percent and a hundred percent i think so yeah i think you you had a fifty percent chance in in cover hundred percent chance if they were out and then yeah zero percent chance if they were behind full cover perfect so i i think part of the problem is our mindset because i think when i see 85 percent hit in my head i'm like oh that's a hundred that's gonna hit you know there is a slight chance that we'll miss, so it sticks out in your head because you're like, oh, this is definitely going to hit. I have a really high percentage. So when you do miss, you get livid, um, <laughs> as I always do. And I'm like, okay, I guess there is a 15% chance that I do miss, so okay. I'm actually uh, in the opposite boat where I assume 80 to 85 is is going to miss. It's not a high <laughs> enough percentage for me, and I adjust my strategy accordingly. <laughs> You, 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 like, all right, I'm probably going to miss this, so you have a backup strategy. It's the poor poor luck thing, too, you know, that that, yeah. that factors into into all of this. 
So uh, one of the things I do like too is the multi-classing. I think is done really well in this game. Yeah. Um, because you just you know you you pick the abilities of a second class, uh, you know whichever one that you have any abilities for. You just plunk it down there, and you have have those abilities to to use. Um, it's really easy. Also, the classes are very very cool. Mm-hmm. I was actually going to bring that up. Yeah, I, what I like most about the game is how unique a lot of the classes are. Because mm-hmm. you have your staple kind of like Mender being the white mage, the right. Wizard being the black mage, but you also have some really cool ones like the Fellblade. Uh, where you just apply magic to your blade that can do um, debuffs to the enemy. So that was from episode 411, Felseal Arbiter's Mark. As I said, there's fewer games, I feel like, than usual for for this mid, uh, mid-year recap. But that's, uh, I mean, I feel like it was a fairly light release, early year anyway. But you, know, you never know what's going to happen. If it, it feels like next year's early releases are going to be big. Obviously, there's Cyberpunk 2077. There's a few other really big ones I, I feel like that I'm not going to come up with off the top of my head right now. Because I can only plan out the next like three months of my game purchases. But I do know Cyberpunk is coming out in April next year. I've been waiting for that one. But there's a few other heavy hitters that are coming out early next year. Uh, there's a couple that uh, we didn't cover in episodes. Games like The Division 2, which I know Will bought and I think he played a little bit of. Not enough to necessarily have an episode on it. Um, one we'd all like to play. Uh, so we didn't cover anything like that uh, this year. But yeah. Um, as for the episodes next week, we hope to go. We're, we don't hope to. We will go back to recording live. It's been a weird couple of weeks with with schedules, and and obviously the Fourth of July was last week, so that that threw everything off. So it'll be back to nine o'clock on Wednesday for a live episode uh, next week. I don't know what the topic's going to be yet, but I will try to let people know on our Twitter feed on Monday at some point. Uh, me and Will will brainstorm and have a have a topic for for everyone, uh, so you can chime in with your two cents. I don't think it's going to be on any games unless we decide to do another mobile game, which I don't necessarily want to unleash on everyone since we just covered Harry Potter Wizards Unite. Uh, we definitely don't want to, There was a big mobile game that just came out so uh, in Dr. Mario World. I don't know if we're going to cover that or not. Probably not. We'll probably have, have a different different topic idea. But, uh, yeah, that'll do it for episode four, well, 416 of the Thumbstick Athletes podcast. I'm your host, Dan. Thanks for listening and get out of my basement.